Good morning, everybody. Hallelujah. Boy, you're a good-looking bunch this morning. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Okay, we're going to go on a journey. We're going on a journey. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to touch some things. We're going to reveal some things in God today. And I want it to be a lasting effect for you, to you, and on you. Heavenly Father, your word opens the eyes of our understanding. It illumines our minds and our hearts to see greater things in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, lift revelation from the text this morning, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'd like you to go and look at chapter 5, and look what it says in verse 27. It talks about a man named Methuselah. Everybody say, Methuselah. How would you like to be in the fourth grade with a name like Methuselah? Can you imagine what children would do to you? Well, names meant things back then. What we have to understand is that every time somebody said Methuselah, and he's supposed to be the oldest living man, 969 years, that's a long time to pay taxes. Never thought about that, did you? (laughs) But his name means when he is gone, it shall come. God never does anything major on the earth or in the earth unless he speaks it. So here's a man named Methuselah. His name means when he's gone, it shall come. And chapter number 6 directs us right into what God's going to do with Noah's flood. So, God never does anything without speaking. He sees it in his heart. He releases it with his mouth. This is Isaiah chapter 55. And those words never come back to him void or empty. So whatever he speaks, he's a happening kind of God. And so he's got Methuselah wandering around for 969 years. And every time somebody says, hey, Methuselah, it's an announcement of the future. Earth's getting prepared because of those words. Now we get into chapter 6, we see something happen. Genesis 6, 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all. Now, when it talks about the sons of God, it's talking about angels. And it's talking about fallen angels. That's what it's talking about. So... Adam, who was given dominion over the whole planet, gave it away by disobeying in the one thing that he could disobey in. Eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he lost everything for us. Now the bright thing about you and I, we were born on this side of the cross. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. After we've been purchased back into a right standing with God. Now, before that, the people that were living in the law, it was a tough place. It was a very tough place. Now, the Bible tells us that fallen angels 
married with the daughters of mankind. Why did that happen? Well, Adam, who gave up the dominion, who disobeyed, he didn't fall into sin, he committed sin. It was a premeditated thing. He committed sin, he did fall into something, he fell into time. He was supposed to be over it. He was supposed to be up here in a dominant place of dominion. And he fell into the dimension God created for trees, grass, animals, and fish, and fowl. He fell into the natural. Now, the devil wound up with Adam's dominion, which we all know. We see God here about to make a change on planet Earth. What is he trying to protect? He's trying to protect the bloodline of Adam. Because God made Adam just like him. An exact duplication of kind. He breathed into him the breath of life. And that term is the breath of lives. When he breathed into Adam, he breathed you and I into him too. God sees differently than we do. We see in the here and now, and our far reaching is a day and a half later maybe, God sees eons and dimensions away. Now, we're going to study what I call vehicles of wealth. Vehicles of wealth as we watch this. Now, in 1928, there was a dictionary published by a man named Noah Webster. In 1928, when you look in that dictionary... It says that a vehicle is a means of conveyance, okay? A vehicle is a means of conveyance. Now, in 1928, Noah Webster came from a godly family. He was named after the Noah in the Bible. And if you have one of his Bibles, it's about that thick, sometimes some of his description of words uh, is just a scriptural address, in the Bible. But he said a vehicle is a means of conveyance. A means of conveyance. He was dealing with horses and wagons. And four legged instead of four wheels. Now, I want to talk about vehicles for a minute. We have watched things evolve in the area of what we call vehicles. But I want to expand your thoughts on vehicles, what they can be, rather than what we just think they are. They built a ship called the Titanic. How many of you seen the movie? Okay. The Titanic didn't do too well on its maiden voyage because technology wasn't where the ship was. They should have had a bigger rudder and they didn't know it. They couldn't turn. They couldn't miss that big iceberg. So technology has to go hand in hand with bigger, more convenient things. Anybody ever heard of the Airbus? Seven, eight hundred people, whatever. Vehicles evolve. Vehicles evolve. A vehicle always is a conveyance to somewhere or for some purpose. How about a thought? A thought. It conveys ideas. 
I want to change your way of thinking today through Scripture. Language conveys words. Words convey thoughts. And thoughts convey ideas. Language is a vehicle. The Bible I have on this pulpit is a vehicle. It conveys the message of Jesus, the kingdom of God, salvation, healing. It is a map book for planet Earth. It will take you from the cradle through life. To death, which is a doorway for us. It's a doorway to a better future. <laughs> That's all it is. Now, this book tells you how to negotiate your time in the natural realm that Adam fell into. And we are trapped down here in this thing. We cannot get out of it until we get rid of these earth suits. And we shed this fleshly body. So, death for us, really, is not a hassle. Hello? That's right. Turn your heads on. Let's think about this. We're going to create some things for the kingdom of God and for us. Now, people are vehicles. People can convey light or darkness. They can carry the gospel. They can be happy. They can be fun-loving. And they can be grumpy. Yuck. Ugh. Or they can be full of hate. So, various vehicles can convey various things. Man is a vehicle. Now, I want to think a little bit about God. I want to think about time. Interject that, and I also want to think about Adam falling into time. Adam would still be alive today had he not sinned and disobeyed. He could have been up here, and I could have been down there. I'd have been in the front row taking notes. But he fell into a dimension he was supposed to be over. And when he fell, something happened to them. They lost their God-likeness. And they fell into a natural realm. Now, one of God's days is a thousand of our years. He moves at a little bit different pace than we do. The first thing the man and the woman did was try to cover their nakedness. See, they didn't know they were naked. What did they have on? Why couldn't they see it? The glory of God was residing upon them. And when he disobeyed, the lights went out. Not only did the lights go out, but they became stupid. They tried to make clothes out of fig leaves. They have holes in them. He should have used banana leaves or something. Would have been a lot better covering. But he found himself in a dimension that was a debilitating dimension. A rich young man came to Jesus one time. He said, Lord, what do I have to do to get to heaven? 
And Jesus looked at him, and Jesus said, obey the commandments. He said, which ones? Jesus quoted them. He said, I have. And then the scripture says, Jesus loved him. That means the guy told the truth. Jesus finally stumbled into somebody in the Old Testament that came through the Old Testament before the cross that had obeyed all, all of the commandments. And Jesus said, one thing you lack. He said, sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Well, Jesus had his replacement for Judas right there. Now, the young man wasn't at a point where he could do that. So he didn't follow through on it. Now, everything in the kingdom of God is a growth pattern. It's a hurdle you've got to step over. And you grow thereby. Each time you follow an instruction in this Bible, you expand more and more like the person that's inside of you, Jesus Christ. Each time we grow, we become more like him. And that's a continuing process through this life. And it's a wonderful process. But it is a process. But we've got to deal with time. Anybody ever buy a new car? What happened to it? It got what? Yeah, but you took care of it. It got what? Yeah, old. It all falls apart. Interesting. What happens to the roof of the house? Well, you replace it. By the time you pay for it, the kids have torn it up anyway. So, you know. Everything starts falling apart down here. Now, Adam was above that. And he gave it away when he heard words. So now we've got fallen angels... Messing up the bloodline. Why? Well, it's important to keep that bloodline alive because if that bloodline is totally diluted. Remember, God told his people later on, don't mingle yourselves. Well, those fallen angels were demon spirits. Don't ask me how this whole thing came to pass because the Bible doesn't tell us the mechanics of it. But this is where the giant races, the Nephilims, came in the Bible. And they were all over Canaan before God ever told Abraham that's what he was giving him. So, all of a sudden now, it's important for God to make sure the door of the bloodline is open. Because he already plans on having his son come in earth 4,000 years from now, roughly. Okay? He's going to come in the legal entrance through the womb of a woman... Because that's the legal doorway into this planet. He's going to come in at the right time and fix this whole thing that's out of control. Now, what Scripture tells us is God picks out a man. God usually, when he does stuff in the earth, he picks out a person. Can't find a man, he'd find a woman. Can't find a woman, he'll use a bird or whatever else. Now, let's look at Scripture. Look at verse number 3, Genesis chapter 6. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. 
How many of you want to pay taxes for 120 years? Well, 120 years looks pretty good now, but there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown, basically giants and all that. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can you imagine waking up in Boise Valley? This morning, every person that's in this valley can only have an evil imagination. Now, they get up and they start wandering through the town. They don't have one good thought. It's only evil continually. This is how the whole race went. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, the fowls of the air, For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He starts talking about the generations of Noah and that he was a perfect in his generation. And then God said in verse 13, Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. And he begins to talk about pitching it within and without and all the rest of it. The word pitch there is the word atone. Now, he speaks to this man. He gives him a job. And he makes it very descriptive. Now, the earth is dry. Nobody knows floods. He wants this man to create an ark 625 feet long. It's 25 feet past two football fields. Is there any electricity? No power tools? No factories? Uh, No lumber outfits, cutting the trees down, creating lumber. Adam is 500 years old when God speaks to him. He's 600 years old when the task is completed. Can you imagine standing in faith for 100 years, doing something God told you to do? That ark is 625 feet long, 104 feet wide, and 62 and a half feet high. It is the biggest ship to ever hit the water until the Titanic is built. That's a long time. Now I want I want your mind to go back to vehicles. Because the ark is a vehicle. And what God is going to do, he is going to evict the demons that are in the whole human race. Because the human race is going to drown with the exception of eight people. Noah and his family. Demons don't stay in inert bodies. They like living bodies. So, he's going to protect the bloodline. God's a very patient man. And he's going to start all over again with eight people. Now, I want to hone your perspective in real tight. This boat's big. It's got a bunch of animals on it. The reason the animals went on it was that the breath of God was in them. The breath of God was not in the trees and the rest of the things. But it was in the animals that walked on the surface of the earth. So God wanted certain of those species taken on board that ship.
We've seen all sorts of Hollywood-type movies and Christian-type movies to portray it. It doesn't do it justice. Now, eight people in this vehicle are carrying the blood of God in them over a flood to the other side when the flood subsides and they get out and start life. Everything that is going to be manufactured, everything that is going to be made, every idea anybody is going to ever have in our brain to do anything is on that boat. That's it. And out of those eight people, God's going to start all over again. Those eight people couldn't imagine this building or that chair you're sitting on. That took a thought from somebody else who got the idea, worked it out, and made it happen. Everything we see, every city that you'll ever be in, every building that was ever built or ever will be built, is tied up in these eight people. Everything is going to grow out of them. The various language groups, the very religious, the, the varied religious groups, whether we like it or not, are all going to come from that eight people group. Now, Five hundred years, when he gets the plan, he's six hundred years old when God shuts the door in the ark. God is looking far, far down the road. He's already seen this meeting. He saw it a long time ago. He's already looking past the future. He's already seen the end. Okay? And that's why he sent information back to John on the Isle of Patmos to tell him about it. So you and I would have a glimpse into the future. God is in total control. He said, I'll destroy man. He picks a man out, Noah, who's just and perfect. He builds an ark. God makes covenant with Noah and his family. What is a covenant? It's a vehicle. What does it do? When God makes a covenant with a man, it's for protection and blessing. Protection and blessing. He makes one with Noah. He's going to make one with Adam. Not Adam, excuse me. Abraham. That's where he's going. Now, the eight people on board, the animals on board, are seeds that are conveyed out of darkness over a flood into a brand new start with the earth purged of evil. The bloodline is not hindered. It has been saved. The door is open for 4,000 years into the future. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2 verse 5 that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Preacher of righteousness. How did he preach? Well, if you started building a 625-foot boat out of gopher wood, 
in your front yard, would your neighbors have a few questions? Okay. Now, what he was saying was probably falling on deaf ears. But he was saying, well, you know, God. Well, that doesn't get very far even today. Well, God told me this, this flood's coming. You're right, we're living in a desert and you're telling me a flood's coming. So he was preaching what he knew and what he was doing. He was a living example. You know, he didn't hold meetings. He didn't preach with his lips. He preached with his life. He was doing what God told him. The Bible said it's not the hearing of the word. It is the doing of the word, the practical application that gets the job done. And he was doing. He had a vision that God put inside of him, and he was fulfilling it one day at a time. Now, life preaches louder than lips. Now, Adam had to get a bunch of animals in the boat. Well, animals were nice and calm back then. Everything pretty much ate vegetable material or grass. Lions ate grass just like cows. But when they come out of the ark, God's going to change the animals. The Bible says that he's going to put a fear of man on the animals. Now, I know some of you guys here have chased elk over mountains and yodeled down through the valleys trying to catch them. But when they get your scent, uh, they pretty well know what your purpose is. <laughs> and, and they leave you. If God hadn't put the fear of man in the animals when they came out of the ark, the eight people that came out of the ark would have been breakfast. Because those lions would have had them real quick. And there wouldn't have been eight people to do what God wanted to do. Now, the most valuable thing on the ark was the blood of Adam, the DNA that was in Noah. Now, your Bible and my Bible tells us the life is in the blood. Anybody ever read that scripture? The life is in the blood. It didn't say the life was the blood, did it? No, it said it's in the blood. When Adam fell into time and the lights went out, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what was running through our veins but it wasn't blood. But when he fell into this slower time dimension, that quick they knew they were naked, and the life is in the blood. Now, the ark is a vehicle. The animals in the ark are a vehicle. Noah and his family are a vehicle. But I want you to understand that the ark was a wealth transfer. Book of Proverbs tells us that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. The term laid up for the righteous is the term hidden away Far, hidden away for the righteous. And here, preachers preach a lot about the wealth transfer, but there have been hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of wealth transfers throughout the Bible. Uh, when God's people came out of Egypt, after that 400 years, God prophesied that to Abraham 
when he said, your people will be in a land that is not theirs for 400 years. And when they come out, I will bring them out with great wealth and riches. Well, we see after a certain time, Joseph goes into Egypt first. Then the family goes in. They're in Egypt under years of favor, under a favorable pharaoh. They begin to produce. They are in a land of Goshen, which is compatible with animal husbandry. And that's what those people do. Even when the evil king comes, the pharaoh, and begins to persecute the people and work them like slaves, no one wants their slaves to die. So they make sure they feed them enough to keep them alive. And under that structure, the Hebrew people grow to a great nation. Then God brings them out through Moses. God devastates Egypt totally. Totally. If you'll study the Bible and look at the nations God has come against because of his people, you will see that they never ever regain the greatness that they had. Never. Waters turn to blood. That doesn't work. He just goes on down the list, down the list, down the list. The locusts come to eat up all the food supply. The caterpillars, all the rest of it comes. Everything is devastated. Hailstones come down from above, kill all the livestock, all except in the land of Goshen. So Moses leads the people out. The only thing Pharaoh has left, because all the firstborn die in the last plague, that means there's no future of strong men to do whatever the nation needs and even procreate people. So the army, which is all they got left, goes out and dies in the Red Sea. Take a look at Egypt today. Take a look at Assyria today, which is Syria. Word tells us in the Bible, the city of Damascus will be no more one day. They're busy pulling it apart right now. So everything is lining up to the word of God. Now today we're dealing with vehicles. Say this with me. I am a vehicle. Now see, when, when God comes in our hearts, we really become a vehicle. Because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is inside of us. We take on a brand new life, a brand new dimension. We're part of the family. The family of God is the biggest dynasty on the planet. It has the most people going in one direction, under one God. And through the centuries... There have been billions and billions and billions of us graduate and go upstairs. And we're now still growing and spreading throughout this valley. Let's get back to Noah. Hung up inside these eight people is the future of the planet. The uncontaminated blood of God is going across the flood to the other side. 
On the other side, a man named Abraham will be chosen by God. And he will cut a covenant with that man. That man will be told that he will have a son. He tries to do it in a natural way and uh, at the insistence of his wife, and that doesn't work. And after 25 years, he has his son, Isaac. Now listen to what he says and what has to be done. The young man is going from boyhood to manhood, and God says, take the child and sacrifice him on my mountain. So they start. When they get at the base of the mountain, Abraham looks at the servant and he says, keep the animals The boy and I will go yonder on the mountain and worship the Lord and return again. We'll be back, both of us. Halfway up the mountain, the boy, you know, he's not stupid. He says, Dad, we got we got fire, we got wood, we got a knife. Where's the sacrifice? Please listen. Abraham says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Those words left Abraham's mouth on that mountain. And they went 4,000 years into the future. For the Lord Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin on this planet. When Jesus died on that cross for us, that was God the Father's blood and DNA running down that cross. Abraham prophesied it. God fulfilled it as he watched generation after generation after generation. When you open Matthew chapter 1, you got a list of names. You got 14 generations from this one to that one and 14 generations from that one to that one. And it's all people that have the right blood type carrying the DNA of God across all that time span to get Jesus in that open door. And what does Jesus tell us in John 10? I am the door. I am the door. You can come in and go out and find pasture through me. And when we come through him in salvation, we're born again. We've just watched water baptism again, which is a reflection of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. To link us to him, it's an outward example of an inward impression in these bodies. And we go from that to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the spirit man gets his voice back. To communicate to God when he doesn't know what to do. The Spirit speaking through us. Mysteries unto God. And God answering situations that we cannot control. Supernaturally. So this whole long situation is on this boat. It's right here. Passing over the flood. When they come out on the other side, we have the fulfillment of a covenant again. Soon as they come out of the ark, God cuts covenant with Noah. What does he tell him? 
the exact same thing that he told Adam. Replenish the earth, fill it. So the same words, the same covenants, the same vehicle, which is God, moving through men and women to an ultimate finish. The chair you're seated on today was on that boat. Because somebody's going to get the idea to design that chair, manufacture the thing. That boat hadn't made it across. None of us would be here. Much less the chairs, the cities around the world, everything. Now, say this with me. I am the vehicle. God is in me. He's the power. This Bible is my Rand McNally roadmap for this planet. It tells me how to live, tells me how to die, and everything in between. So on that boat, these things are all there. The ark was a wealth transfer. It produced all the people that we have on the planet now. Yeah, but Brother Ron, it's messed up again. Yeah. Demons don't drown in water. They're around for a long, long time till God puts them in a very hot place. And people are subject when they don't know God... They do all sorts of things, and they become habitations for demons. I notice when we look at previews of movies coming, you take a look, you got your teenage vampires out there, and they're the good guys fighting against the bad guys. Hollywood's messed up, desperately. Our children can sit through those things and not even flinch when my skin crawls. They sit right there, three or four years old, watch all that stuff. Doesn't bother them a lick. What is that? What's Satan's work programming for when they begin to manifest on the planet? Light and darkness. They don't mix. They don't mix. The word of God never fails. He has a word for everything. And we are the generation that's alive now. And our lives must speak so loud that we change at least two generations under us to the truth of this word because it's coming quickly. Jesus was a vehicle to convey sins, sickness, take them on himself of the whole world that ever would be into hell and leave them there. And then turn around and bring a bunch of those folks out with him. People get that mixed up in the scripture when it says, The gates of hell will not prevail against us. Well, no. Because when Jesus came out, he kicked the things off the hinges. That's not waiting to happen, guys. That's done. That's done. It's finished. He carried a kingdom on his shoulder back to the earth 
And he said, all power has been given unto me. Therefore, you guys go. So he's already done all of that. And the family of God is growing exponentially every day. Jesus is living in us. And he's a living witness in us, for us, to us, so he can flow through us. How many of you have ever laid hands on a person and seen him be healed? Raise your hands. Didn't that just lift you off the ground? I mean, to think that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was inside of you and you stepped out almost spontaneously and and you had half a thought of what in the world am I doing now? And just like that, the Lord showed up and somebody that was in dire straits had been set free. There's nothing that tastes that good. Nothing that savors that way. And it was all because of a vehicle. Everybody say, I am a vehicle. We are a church full of vehicles. The world is looking for us. Can't find us. Well, what we need to do is go out here in this valley and raise a little heaven, (laughs) in a manner of speaking. We used to to do it the other way. (laughs) Oh, you mean I'm the only one that ever did that? (laughs) I didn't think so. Yeah. Let it out. Let it out. It wants to roar. That line of the tribe of Judah wants to roar out of you and make some things right. Make some things large. And it's straining to get out. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We love you, Lord Jesus. We're so thankful, Father God, that you know all things, you understand all things, and everything begins with you. Jesus, we can never thank you for what you did for us on the cross. And Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for infusing us with your power. Mighty God, what you've done for us. Father, I thank you that you'll open the eyes of the understanding of every person. Teach, touch, change, and infuse them with your life. And the understanding of who they are in you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Let's worship God for a bit.